Welcome to the Swine Time Podcast here at Pipestone. I'm your host, Dr. Spencer Wayne. I'm one of the staff veterinarians here at Pipestone. I'm also one of the owners of Pipestone Holdings and get to work with a lot of wonderful people. And as part of such a group, I also get to host a podcast and I get to have really interesting people talk about interesting things. So today, my guest is Damon Vandermotten. And I'll let him introduce himself, but I'll just say Damon is part of our uh, managed farm accounting team. He's also the director of Farm Books, and he'll tell you a little bit about more about that uh, here in the coming minutes. But for now, I'll just turn it over to Damon. Damon Vanderbotten, that's Italian, right? Not Italian, actually very Dutch. Oh, very oh, Dutch. Oh, I would have never known. Okay, good enough. I'll turn it back. <laughs> I'll turn it back to you. Why don't you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about. Um, you know, your, maybe your background, where you're from, how you came to be part of this group, what you do now, just to introduce yourself so people get a good background. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up on a family farm in southwest Minnesota, kind of around the Edgerton and Leota area. Uh, our farm had livestock, cattle, cattle and pork. We had row crops. And then we did a variety of other things, but I grew up on that farm helping my dad every single day ever since I could walk. And from there, went to school in Edgerton, went to college in Sioux Center, Iowa at Dort College, now Dort University. And I had actually interned with the accounting team across the street here, working with the South Farm information. And from there, that kind of led to a job opportunity with the Holdings accounting team doing the accounting for the Pipestone Vet Clinic, research companies, and all the other holdings entities. And then probably about two years ago, we had a Pipestone um, Summit that was actually four years ago in the cities, and we reached out to the producers and had them fill out a survey to see what their needs were. And one of those needs was the need for financial information for their farm and whether that's help uh, compiling that or helping uh, understand that. So about two years ago, we started the Farm Books program. And with that in mind, our main goal was to help fulfill that need that they expressed at the summit. So two years ago, we started the program. We've built it up now that we've got around 12 producers on it consistently and adding another four or five over the next couple of months. And there continue to be more that are wanting to get on the program. Sure. So, yeah, your, your history, you just described, if I was going to sit down and define the pedigree of a person to come in and do what you're doing, it would be exactly who you are. So I'm glad you're here. And I remember when, I think when that survey was sent out, we started thinking more about it as a group and the, the kind of the, the, the expressed opinion was farmers, many of them can be excellent farmers and have a great opportunity and set up and, and be very successful in a lot of respects. But many times they have all the receipts in a shoebox and they may not be uh, sharp pencil enough on the accounting side. And that's where you would add some value. Correct? That- absolutely. Absolutely. We see all sorts of all sorts of different accounting levels at the farm. We see the shoebox method. We see the full force accounting method where they've got the software, they've got the people at the end of the day, they still need help getting all that information to make sense and to become fully usable for that farm. Because you might have all the details that you need on a singular level, but in order to put it together and create a big level farm picture, 
you might need help. Whole enterprise. Whole enterprise. Not, not just the pigs. Yep. We account for everything that's included in the entity that we're accounting for. So whether that's cattle, row crops, etc., we account for that in the same entity in farm books. Because we know, and we'll talk about farm books a little bit more later, but we know that when we do the accounting for an entity, we can't just do it for one enterprise because when it comes to the end of the year with taxes and other reporting, we'll need all activity for that entity included. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, a little bit of background of maybe where you and I come from that the listeners may not know, but we as a system or as a company here, uh, we manage sow farms for farmers. That's a lot of what we do. And we got a lot of depth in that. So there's a clean chart of accounts and method for handling sow farm accounting. But really, once the farmer takes the pigs that they're a shareholder of the unit from, uh, it's they're off on their own. And so this is where you would come in that really kind of follows up on what would be a pretty tight package on the south side of things to start focusing on the growing pig side of things. Absolutely. Yep. We're kind of picking up where they left off. They're giving us the isoene or pig price coming from the south farm. We take that, plug that into our software, and that's kind of the starting point for those groups. As they continue to feed those out, we're tracking all of the grow finish costs along their life cycle. Sure. Okay, question one. What does it mean to be financially sustainable? Yep, that's a great question, Spencer. I get that question quite a bit from producers, especially the first time that I meet with them. Uh, The producers like to think about their farm as being sustainable, meaning that they'll continue to be here throughout the upcoming years. So when they ask that, there's obviously a lot of variables. It could depend on what you're looking to get out of the farm. Are you looking to just earn a comfortable living? Are you looking to expand or grow the farm? So a lot of those different variables play into what might mean sustainable for you or for the farm. Okay. And sustainable, like in the simplest terms, is more black than red on average. Absolutely. Okay. Hopefully a lot more black. Okay. So that being stated... Um, what information should a producer be tracking? You know, that maybe they're not right now. What are the key variables that you look at that um, would be either part of a formal program like you have, or if they're not part of that program, what should they be looking at? Yep, absolutely. So the big thing that we like to focus on initially is cost of production. So when we go out to the producers and we start to dive into maybe their financials, what they have currently, or we talk about what we can offer them, we like to introduce cost of production. So what is it costing you to produce that full market value pig. And a lot of times producers can't give you an honest, straightforward answer at the time because they haven't been able to compile their financial information the right way to do that. So that's the number one thing that we focus on. And then there's other pieces along the way that help us get it, get to that point. Okay. So for instance, MetaFarms, or the service that we offer through Pipestone Farm Stats, is really an inventory record-keeping system So it keeps track of the pigs in, the mortalities, the movements throughout the pig's life. And that helps us on the financial side make those movements with the dollars. So when those pigs are coming in, we can help reconcile that with the bills that we have coming in for those pigs. And when those pigs die out of that group, we can take their expenses out of inventory and move them to a mortality expense. And then for the pigs that sell, we can grab those costs out of inventory and move them to a cost of goods sold. So really that inventory tracking on the backside is really what makes it possible for us to account 
Okay. Like, uh, Metafarms, I know, will, uh, you can do simple closeouts with that, with it'll track costs. So that you could technically, I think, roll all your basic or major costs or maybe all the costs into that. You've got uh, facility costs, utilities, any kind of labor costs. Those all go into that in Metafarms, but it's it's not really designed as a financial tool. It's designed to generate a, uh, an approximately uh, accurate closeout to let you know profit or loss on a group of pigs. And that's just a single group of pigs. Yep, absolutely. That's that's a great point, Spencer, because we do run into that a lot. And that's kind of what helped start farm books is everybody does have their closeouts from MetaFarms. But once you sit back and think about what they're putting into MetaFarms, they're estimating the yardage possibly or they're having to sit down and calculate the yardage between different groups. They're plugging in the animal health or an estimated animal health. And at the end of the day, what we find is a lot of those expenses that they're plugging in are estimated. And if they're not estimated, it might not account for the full picture of the farm. Mm -hmm. So when you plug all those expenses in, you get to the end and you're showing a profit of $10 a pig. Fantastic. This is awesome. Well, at the end of the day, you might have had office expenses. You might have had repairs that you didn't include. You might have had other interest costs. You might have had to pay down loans from a cash flow perspective that's not included. So all of those things aren't accounted for in that closeout. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, that's still very useful for producers because they can get a rough idea on how they're doing and how those group by groups are performing. Right. From farm books, we like to look at it on a big picture enterprise perspective. How is my pig entity or operation doing? Right. I'm, you know, I'm thinking of MetaFarms or, or, uh, group by group closeouts, like you said, a lot of it's based on estimates. Ah, my utilities is generally this. Yep. My grower payments typically this. So you apply that to it. Um, but I'm thinking with what you're doing, it gets it to a point of an exact reconcilability with actual dollars that started and stopped and left and came during yep. the year. So it's uh, audit proof or not audit proof, audit capable later. So it's it's actual dollars is where you're taking these things, not just I'm looking at a group by group. Absolutely. Yep. That's how we justify those costs is our checkbook is reconciled every single month. So we know that it's reconciled down to the penny. So these costs are real. At the end of the day, the only thing that can be argued or discussed or debated is where you a allocate those expenses. Okay. If a farmer was just getting into this and they said, ah, I really need to start keeping track of some, track of some things, probably accounting for how much uh, rat bait they went over the year is way less important than getting a really accurate number on my feed cost. And so if you're going to prioritize things to track and, and track well, just to, for a farmer on their own without any sophisticated help, where would you really say you better get these things accurate if you're going to understand how you're doing as, as a pig production operation? Yeah. Where would you start? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So if they're, if they're going to try and account for this themselves without seeking a third party's help, I would suggest if you're focusing on the pig enterprise, let's look at the larger expenses first. So let's look at the wean pig price. Well, typically that's pretty simple. Coming from the south farm, you know the exact dollar. You can plug that in. The next largest cost into a pig is the feed cost. Feed cost is very important, and I'm sure you'll hear on a previous podcast with the nutrition guys, but the feed cost is the largest expense into a group of pigs, and it can fluctuate a lot based on performance and your ability to manage that. And your ability to buy cheaper corn. Absolutely, so. or raise corn. Yeah. Yep. 
So, so speaking of that, you know, it's, yeah, I grow corn and then how do I sell it to myself? Is any basic guidance on how to handle your feed cost based on the fact that you also produce corn or have beans to offset bean meal? Any, any words of wisdom on how to look at that specific oh, set of costs? Oh, Spencer, we, we have to keep this podcast under an hour. So okay. I could spend days talking about this. But when it comes to corn production, because we get this question all the time and how we account for it in farm books, we have to be very diligent to account for all the expenses that it takes to produce that bushel of corn or that bushel of soybeans along the way. And once we're done with that, once we have the final yields from the harvest season, we're able to calculate that cost per bushel, and we can look at that cost broken down by each cost type. But we're able to take that cost, and that's what we feed to the pigs. So if we produce that corn for $4.50 a bushel, that's what's getting fed to the pigs. That runs through the pigs, shows up in feed cost, and we're able to look at our pig groups or pig enterprise and evaluate the profit that way. Okay. Then some people come back and say, well, what if the market was $7? We actually, in our crop column on the income statement or in our crop enterprise, we make an entry to account for that. So if we fed 10,000 bushels at $4.50 for production costs, well, if we could have sold that for $7 a bushel, we're going to go to the crop column and we're going to put $70,000 for what we could have sold the corn for mm-hmm. and $45,000 for what the corn cost us to produce. Saying, if we would have sold the corn rather than feed it, we would have made that $25,000 of profit. Yeah. So those are the days when you talk farmers out of raising pigs. Absolutely. <laughs> half the time. Yep. And the other half the time, they're glad they had it. Yep. Okay. That's interesting. So when you look at the whole operation, I think what you're saying is as you look at it, uh, everything is a cost center up to the point of sale. And so if you fed half your corn through your pigs, well, then your pigs are buying it at cost. The other half of the corn you sold went off as pure profit off of a corn sale. Absolutely. It's pulling back towards that. And so you're not doing weird false economies. Is that, that's correct? Yep. And then you have the ability to somehow go back and do what if, or if, you know, if there was what these what if scenarios. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. And that, that just helps the producer at the end of the day, evaluate their different enterprises and say, for my pig operation, should I expand in that operation or should I expand in the row crops producing corn? Obviously that varies a lot by year, but they're able to look at that crop column and say, okay, I, I could have made $300,000 by selling my corn. Mm-hmm. I sure hope by feeding it to my pigs that I made at least $300,000. That gives them the justification as to, okay, I really should have sold my corn or I should have fed it to my pigs. Sure, It's not quite that simple. You can't switch every year based on the corn price. Mm-hmm. You've got the hog buildings. You've got the setup. You've got the sow shares. You can't just flip the switch, but it does help evaluate maybe where you should invest in the future. Okay. So a defined pig input cost is a purchase pig, a defined feed cost by whatever method. What's next after that? And you start going down the list as far as things you better be trying, try to be accurate at least so you can get a real view of how you're doing as a pig producer. Absolutely. So the next biggest section, which can vary a lot between the different producers is what we call the barn labor expense. So you've got your facility expenses and you've got your labor expense. Everybody is set up differently for the most part, 
they might be renting all their barns. They might own all their barns. They might rent some and own some. They might pay for the labor in their rent, or they might not and provide the labor. So there's a lot of different ways that you can set that up. So in farm books, we like to put that together as one barn labor expense and truly evaluate how much expense do we have into those pigs from a facility and labor standpoint. Okay. Easy enough or, or able enough to pull in a few different things. For example, hedge gainer loss, um, interest expense that you might be able to deduct, um, depreciation. You're, what you're describing, what you do, pulls those in as well, or is that that's really somebody else, or is that all part of the package as well? That That's all part of the package as well. So we've got... We've got the revenue up top of the income statement, if you think about it that way. We've got the cost of production or the cost to produce those pigs in the middle. Then we've got what we call the G&A expenses or general and administrative expenses that really don't apply to pig production directly. Mm -hmm. Might be office supplies, might be management labor, things like that. And then we've got the other income and expense section at the way bottom, and that accounts for all your interest expense, your realized gains or losses, and any other miscellaneous income or expense you might have. Okay. So we, we account for everything. All right. Where does, if you have to take a trip to Hawaii with your brother to figure out how to farm the next year, what is that? That's GNA? Well, Spencer, there's a lot of tax rules behind that. Oh, okay. You, okay. You would probably need to document that you had a board meeting and mm-hmm. have to document that accordingly. And if you didn't, that would show up on the balance sheet as an owner withdrawal. Okay. Yep. Okay. Non-tax Technically, I got it. <laughs> okay. I figured you would know if anybody would know. Um, in 2023, anything different? From You just described kind of a basic approach. Is there anything different you would look at this year that really should be something to pay closer attention to on, on the economics of raising pigs? Yeah, so I would say looking at 2023 right now, we're recording this podcast at a very interesting time with the markets. Uh, farm books tends to be a lot more popular or more important, I would say, even now when the producers are realizing a loss at home. Mm -hmm. We need to understand how much of a loss we're experiencing at home so we can help predict and project for the rest of the year what kind of capital we're going to need, if any. Mm -hmm. So this year, with the markets right now, not looking fantastic, but we'll hope that it turns around here soon. But it gets very important to understand your cost of production and your other expenses so that you can understand what your needs are for the rest of the year. And you can communicate that with the lender if you need to. Okay. So the lender on that point, so getting access to capital to keep running next year or to expand or whatever you want to do. Um, I'm trying to think how to ask this question. If, you know, there's, if you're going to rank producers out there, um, most suitable to do this or not where are most producers on a one out of 10 scale for how uh, happy their banker is with the information they would provide because you got to go talk to your banker and then are most are most farmers on average 80 percent of the way there for the banker saying yeah it's everything i need to know or are they half there or i don't even know how to ask that question how would you frame that up yep i i know what you're trying to ask i would say of the 10 producers zero to ten probably Four to five of them would probably supply the banker with everything that they need right away, and the okay. banker would be okay with it. I would say it that way. From a big perspective, the information that gets presented to the banker, a lot of times the banker has to fiddle through that and work through it on their own 
And that's just kind of what they've come to do. That's They're used to that. That's normal to them. They're used to it. But for us, from the farm books perspective, we try to help with that process. And when we issue monthly financials, those are able to get sent to the bank. Okay. So of those 10 producers, how many in a real bad bind where things turn around would be woefully deficient on having a conversation with their banker? Is it one or is it three or where, where, how many or how many people really need help? Yeah, I would say you're still in that three to four scenario where if, if times get rough, we run out of working capital, we need more capital to keep the farm running. I would say three to four out of those farmers out of the 10 are going to have a tough time going to the lender and saying, Hey, this is what's happening this is what's going to happen for the rest of the year. And this is what I'm going to need. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily to the producer's fault. It gets pretty complicated when you try to understand what, what happened. If I don't have good financial records, I can't really explain where all my cash went. And then projecting for the rest of the year, if you're able to go to the bank ahead of time and say, Hey, I might run out of capital at the end of next month. And I think I'm going to need another 200,000 to cover the rest of the year. They're going to take that a lot better and a lot easier than if you come begging for money when you're out mm-hmm. and you got a lot of vendors asking for payment. What did we miss? What else? You got any other tips? I really don't think so. I think when it comes to your financials and keeping track of your operation, I think we need to make sure that that's understood by everybody. And I think you had Luke on here about a month ago, and he kind of mentioned too, when you're going into a year like this, 2023, our our costs, our input costs, corn for our feed, et cetera, continues to stay high. Meanwhile, the markets are dropping. There is not much more of an important time to keep track of your financials and your cost of production than now and understanding how you're losing money if you are and where it's going. Got it. Yeah. Better be able to account and explain that at the very least to yourself, uh, to the banker and then to the tax man if if you got to that point. Yep, absolutely. And then with that comes the risk management piece. Mm. Some of this risk can be managed through risk management and the board and futures. So you can take a lot of the risk off the table. Not all of it. You still have to deal with animal health, things like that. But you can take a lot of risk off the table by by using some futures. And maybe you need help with that. Seek help. Okay. I want you to plug what you do here a little bit because you, you talk a little about it. It's a program called farm books. Why don't you, if somebody has questions about this, who do they talk to? They call you up, uh, get in touch with you somehow. Where, where do you go? Yeah, absolutely. So we've mentioned a few times throughout the podcast now farm books. I'm the director of farm books. We've got a team of four people now that help me on the backside, do the accounting for producers, So the service that we offer, we come out to the farmer and we help them do the accounting and get the financials for whichever entity or enterprise they would like. And a lot of times they're all included in one. But we offer this service in two different ways. We can either do everything, all the bills come to us, we cut the checks, we reconcile the banks, we put together the financial reports and we send them to you. Very little required on the producer side for that. Or we can train the producers to enter their data into our software and they can pay the bills, cut the checks, they can reconcile the banks, and then we still come in at the end of the month and we do the financials. 
So by doing that, we are the common theme in all of this. Mm-hmm. We come in, we put the financials together, so we verify that all the expenses are being accounted for similarly between the different entities. Okay. So the level of handholding varies depending on what the producer wants. Absolutely. Exactly. Yep. And then from that, the a bigger piece of farm books as well is the benchmark. Yep. So when we're done with all these financials, we've verified that they're being accounted for the same way. We can then go and we've got a benchmark that we release to the producers on the program and they can compare their production costs against the other producers and see where they rank. You know, there might be areas of improvement. We've we found for a couple of producers, $500,000 of opportunity if they make these couple of changes to their operation. Mm. So we found well over a half a million this first year, and that was without digging too deep. So we're, we're pretty excited for what the future is going to hold there and the opportunities that we can provide these producers with. Okay. All right, we're running out of time because I had a few more questions, but I think we've already, we're up on 25 minutes. We'll have to do a second podcast. Just money with Damon. All right, my Italian friend, thank you for being here today. Uh, Appreciate it. And just so the listeners know, he's not really Italian. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Swine Time Podcast was created for the pork industry and individual pork producers around the country. Hosted by me, Dr. Spencer Wayne, with the Pipestone Veterinary Services. The podcast contains pork industry news, advancements in animal care, and how to enhance your productivity. Monthly podcasts are available on Spotify, Google Music, iTunes, Anchor, and on www.pipestone.com.